Hello, and welcome to week two of the Kindred Church Lenten podcast series. I'm Leanne, and I'm joined once again by Manoka as we share our thoughts on chapters 8 to 14 of Good Enough, 40-ish devotionals for a life of imperfection, written by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie. If you're interested in sharing your thoughts about the book, we'd love to hear from you. Just email info at kindrednc.church with the subject line, good enough, and your thoughts will make their way to us. And now to get us started, I'm going to hand things over to Manoka. Thanks, Leanne. Um, I, as we think about week two, I wanted to ask you, what resonated with you about the readings we had this week? Well, pretty much everything. I, that I'm finding this book is um, hitting all kinds of notes for me. But I really focused in on chapter 13, and the, the title of it is Needing Rules at All. And I could so relate to the idea that rules are important in our lives, even though we sometimes don't appreciate them or wish we could live in total freedom. And uh, the reason I think this resonated with me so well this week is I made the momentous decision to join Weight Watchers. I have been carrying around 20 extra pounds of pandemic pudge <laughs> for the last <laughs> three sure. years. And I, I've been, you know, reading um, and listening to so-called experts who are saying, just listen to your body. Your body will tell you what you need. Your body will tell you when you're hungry. Your body will tell you um, what foods you're, you're really craving. You're not craving ice cream. You're craving chicken breast. And this hasn't worked <laughs> at all for me, not at all. And I realized this week, darn it all, I need to track my points. I need to put some sort of framework around my eating habits that will hem me in just enough to hopefully be successful. And I'm actually excited about it. I'm actually looking forward to going to my first Weight Watchers meeting tomorrow morning and learning about how to do this thing um, of creating these helpful, beneficial, positive constraints. And on page uh, 75, Kate and Jessica write, freedom and constraint, we hunger for both. A life of faith must have room for both. And I think about my spiritual relationship with God I think about what measures have I put in place in my life so that I am intentional about spending time with God, spending time reading scripture, spending time in prayer, spending time writing about what God is revealing to me, what I wish God would reveal to me, uh, how I'm doing in my uh, desire to be a more Christ-like person. And so I'm that chapter just affirmed for me and confirmed for me that there are rules that 
are necessary if we want to grow, if we want to change, if we want to accomplish certain things in life. And I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be negative about this. I should sure. rejoice in it. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm talking to God all day, every day, and that counts. And I'm listening for God all day, every day, but carving out time in my day to track my spiritual points is also beneficial and nourishing for my soul. So that chapter was, uh, it, it touched me personally because of sort of where I'm at in my life right now with wanting to lose this weight and wanting to get healthier. But also it nudged me to think about how positive and beneficial the rules I've created around my spiritual growth. And they're always subject to change. <laughs> but sure. what I'm doing right now, how important that is and what a solid foundation it builds for me to live my faith every day. So chapter 13, uh, needing rules at all. I loved it. That's great, Leanne. I feel like it, for me, um, great minds must think alike because I found that chapter to be really resonating to you and thinking about rules, both as freedom and constraint was something I was like, huh, not sure I've ever thought about it like that. And don't you find, Minoka, I think I mentioned this last week, our faith is full of these points of tension, right? Uh, you know, the idea that we're called to be Christ-like, which is... Uh, perfection embodied and at the same time god meets us in our imperfection and um so there you know there's that tension there's the tension between you know sort of the rules of our faith and the freedom we have in our faith i mean i i keep seeing this over and over again in this book and i appreciate it because it's something i've been really aware of um, in my walk with God is all these points of tension and living in the tension because they're not going to get resolved in this life. Sure, absolutely. In some ways, I often like to think about rules as guide points instead of barriers that they're really just to help you guide you as our spiritual disciplines are. All those things are help to guide us to be the types of peoples that God intended for us. And, and I can understand for some that feels like constraint, but my hope would be that as you navigate, and as you said, have different seasons with different rules, it'll feel less like constraint and more like freedom to work and be creative within those, those guide points or guides places. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really well put. So let me ask you, ask you, was there anything in this week's readings that challenged you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it. I also did agree with what you named that I think this whole book is the type of book where it's like I'm highlighting things and I'm writing things down and I'm thinking about them even after I've closed the book. But um, one concept that I found in this week's readings that challenged me was both in chapter nine and in chapter 14, Kate and Jessica talk about 
what feels to me like similar-ish things. Um, in chapter nine, it's about the idea of foundations and what we're built on. And, and I believe it ends with the sentence, we are a group project, which mm. I loved. Yeah. Um, and then in chapter 14, it just talks about um, some similar things. But um, what I just found is it's wonderful to feel like your group project and that it's going to take a village to be the best versions of ourselves. But I also found that really challenging. And I don't know if that's just my, my season of life or the types of experiences that I've had, but I feel like the world silos us and even just the American dream is always, what have you done? What are the things that you've accomplished? Mm -hmm. And so it feels challenging to me that as a, a youngish person, I would name that um, I, I want to follow being communal and being connected, but I also need to be intentional to what those connection points and communal things are. Because I've had spaces in my life where I've been deep in community and then realized, that community was not making me work better. It was making me worse mm. and was was taking me away from faith rather than bringing me towards God. And so I do, I love the idea that I'm a group project and that we as God's people are group projects, but I do think there's something to be said about always reflecting on who's part of your group project and mm. who is your community and are they living into and helping you reflect what it means to be a person of God as you see it right now? Um, I recently had a conversation with a friend and we were just talking about just the evolution of ourselves. And I said, you know, for me, community looked like one thing. Um, and some of those peoples and groups of people transitioned into my post-college life or my move to North Carolina, but not everyone did. And mm. I used to feel really guilty about that, that, oh, I need to be bringing everyone with me because they've all <laughs> helped me to be who I am. Um, mm. I think that's the the two in me. If there's folks listening who are Enneagrams, I'm a like super two, I heard. But um, I think it's part of just growing up and maturing in general, but also in faith that there are some people and communities that are with you for a season and some that will be with you for a lifetime. And so that was just something that I found beautiful, but also challenged me to be like, okay, I like it, but I need to maybe tweak it for, for my own understanding. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, yep. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're great, Leanne. I'm sorry. Oh. I didn't want to take away from you. Okay. I find, I, I never used to be a uh, community person. I was, uh, you know, the Lone Ranger just living my life, which wasn't necessarily a great idea. But um, in, you know, as I've uh, reconnected with God in a significant way and reconnected with my faith, I have firmly come to understand that I can't do this on my own. I need community. And some of the communities, even with respect to church that I've been a part of were maybe not necessarily people I felt safe being vulnerable around. And that's, you know, I don't want to jump ahead to the last question when we, when we relate this stuff back to kindred church, but kindred church to me is just 
um, the epitome of, of healthy community in which I am growing leaps and bounds. So, but one thing, and I guess this is a form of community, I, for Lent, am avoiding social media because that's a community of sorts that doesn't bring out the best in me. And, and there are wonderful things about social media. But there sure. are, but for me, there are things that uh, undermine my desire to be a more contented person, a less judgmental person. And so I, you know, I've decided that for Lent, I'm just going to avoid it and, and just see what that yields in me. And, you know, I think that's a community that unless we're really disciplined and grounded in who we are in Christ, being a part of that community can bring up, you know, a sense of discontentment or just the ugly side of who I am. And so that's, it's interesting that, you know, you're talking about relation, actual relationships you've had in the past and how some of them may not fit with the kind of connections you need in order to be the better version of who you are right now. And for me, it's this more, um, you know, conceptual community of social media. And yeah, I mean, we, we need to live our faith out in community, but we need to make sure that that community is beneficial to our spiritual sure. growth. Again, it's tension, right? Yeah, it's um, someone I once heard this week called it beautiful chaos. Yeah. That, you know, it's it, in moments, it's really great. And in moments, it really is complicated and makes your brain hurt to think about that <laughs> living in that tension. Yeah, um, yeah. But Leanne, I, I wonder for you, um, as you look at the book and this week's readings, what inspired you about what you read this week? Well, I I really focused in on chapter 11, Happy Enough. And perhaps I was drawn to this chapter because obviously Kate wrote it because she references um, Canada. <laughs> and as a fellow sure. Canadian... I yeah. get all excited every time Kate brings up um, the Great White North. So her, the story she told about her grandfather and his love of the Dead Sea, which isn't the, the Dead Sea, but it's uh, sure. a, a salt-rich lake in Saskatchewan. And how, you know, he was, this was his happy place to go and bob around in the water and then go to this place called Danceland. I mean, the way she writes about it, I, I just want to go there. And I don't care if it's, you know, still winter in Canada. I want to go and sure. bob around in that lake and I want to go to dance land. Um, but I think I was, I was inspired by this idea that we can be content. In fact, I think we truly find contentment. And I think this is what she was writing about. True contentment lives in the ordinary, in the, in the small things of life that we get to experience on some level every single day. We don't have to live in a constant state of anticipating the next big thing in order to experience 
happiness in order to experience contentment. But in fact, true contentment is found in paying attention to and celebrating the really small things in life. And I spent the, the last month up in, up in Canada with my mother, and, who's 92, and it was just so precious spending that time with her. It was just the two of us. We did small things because <laughs> there's still about three feet of snow on the ground, so we didn't go out a whole lot. So we did small things in the house. She taught me how to crochet. Um, we cooked together. We looked through photo albums together. So it was, you know, a bunch of small things that just felt like the most precious gift. And then, you know, reading this chapter and reading about the difference between you know, that sort of constant hunger of desire as opposed to, you know, that sense of feeling full that contentment brings. And, and we get to experience this by paying attention to what God is doing in the small things that, that shape our, our day-to-day lives. And so I was really inspired by this. Um, I was really touched by it, actually, probably because I read it while I was up in Ottawa with my mom. And I was really conscious of how the small things that we were doing together were just so precious. And in, in, in acknowledging that, I felt full and I felt content. So, uh, you know, I think, I think chapter uh, 11 just really inspired me to keep focusing on the small things. And it doesn't mean that the big things don't bring us joy. They do. But I find, you know, the big things, sometimes we anticipate them, we look forward to them, we get all excited about them, and then they don't quite live up to our expectations. Yeah, sure. Whereas the the, the small things that, that we find contentment in come as surprises. We don't anticipate them. I think that's what's so amazing about them is they just show up. And if we're paying attention, we get to to feel that spark of joy and also that sense of fullness, being full of God's grace and God's goodness. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, hearing those the stories that you're naming about being with your mom in Canada that, you know, they may be small things and maybe even just take small pieces of energy or time, but the impact is so big. It's huge. I think about my own life, the things that I thought were small in the moment, I look back and I'm like, Oh, but they, they were big. And I'm and the impact was big. Yeah. 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 So let me ask you, Minoka, what did you read this week that connected to your experience with Kindred Church? Sure. So um, for me, chapter 14 just uh, felt like it was yeah. like someone, you know, I'm maybe not as good as knowing if Kate's writing or Jessica's writing, but whoever was the author of chapter 14, I felt like they were writing to me. Um, I have always felt like an exile. Um, it's not always, um, the first thing that you may know about me because I, I do appreciate people and relationships and find myself in, in strong, um, relationships and communities. But when I always, even if I'm in a large group, I often feel like one of my identities or 
what I'm embodying in that moment feels like I'm an exile to what's happening around me. Mm. Um, And so I've always just felt like an exile. But I think what Kindred Church showed me more than any other church community has showed me is that one, it's okay to be an exile and that there's something really unique about that. But that Kindred Church is a group of people that have been exiled in some way or some fashion in another part of their life and they found community together and I have been privileged and blessed with the opportunity to be in a lot of different church communities and loved so many of them but kindred church has really touched my soul in a way that it doesn't feel like we are being asked to be something that we're not and that Mm. being an exile often means you could be in transition or be thinking about different things or different parts of your life. And that none of that has to be hidden when you're at at church on Sunday morning or a part of the kindred community. And the, the ending chapter or the ending piece on page 84, when um, the author says, Blessed are we who belong here with God and who make space for others to sit with us, who practice radical belonging and hospitality because we know what it's like to be locked out. Mm. I don't know that I could tell you a sentence that that summed up kindred church more than that one. Absolutely. Is that belonging, about hospitality, about also being really honest and naming that many of us have been locked out of spaces and that this could feel like a re-entry to church and to faith for many of those that see kindred church at home. And so um, I just found that um, so connected to kindred church and my own experience of, of being a woman and a South Asian, but also deeply connected to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I reading that chapter, I thought like you, whoever wrote this, they've been sitting in the back row at kindred church (laughs) and taking notes because it was so spot on. And you mentioned that kindred, you know, kindred church is a community where we're all exiles or we've all had an exile experience and we're safe and we're embraced and we're not hiding in the shadows. And I, I think that the really sad thing to me is that every church has that experience. Every church is populated by people who have experienced exile in some way or another, and they don't name that. They don't put that front and center and say, you know, let's let's deal with the elephant in the room, which is the fact that we've all experienced a sense of exclusion or differentness or otherness. And, you know, sometimes that is something we put on ourselves. Sometimes it's something that the culture puts on us. And I'm not saying all exile experiences are the same, but we're human beings and we do carry around a sense of failure and inadequacy and, and, not being understood, being afraid to be who we truly are. And Kindred Church has made all of those things beautiful and important and significant to what Kindred Church is. 
And I've said it before, and I'll keep on saying it. I have never been a part of such a joyful community. The, the joy is palpable um, because we get to go there and be who we truly are and be sure. loved by God. And God loves us anyway. The, the issue is that that's not said out loud um, in, in other spaces and in other places. We're not told explicitly that your differentness, your otherness, your um, insecurities, they're welcome here. They're beautiful. They're the things that make you who you are. And if we can ease the burden of feeling different or like an outsider, that's what we're here to do. But there's no pressure. There, there are no conditions, you know, okay, well, you can be different. You can, you know, sit and feel different for the first month that you're coming to Kindred, but then you better, you know, sort it out. <laughs> like, there, there's no pressure. There are no conditions. It's just come, be who you are, do what you can, know that you're loved. Absolutely. What a great, what a great summation, uh, Leanne, of, of what Kindred is. And I think hearing, hearing you name kind of how Kindred feels like to you is also that it seems that Kindred is willing to say that being in exile is a, is a faithful way of serving God too. That, Absolutely. You know, I love looking at the book of Exodus and, and other mm -hmm. places in the Bible where being in exile is actually a, a strong identifier to God and that mm -hmm. many of God's people in the Bible were people who were going from one place to another at the direction of God. And that, um, that is, that's a faithful process. And I loved what you said about, you know, God loves you no matter what. And I totally agree, but I think what many have often felt in the church is that God loves you no matter what, but the church might not <laughs> because of yeah. what you, you know, what you bring or what you don't bring. And, um, yeah. I'm just very grateful to go to a church that I have not yet experienced that. I'll only speak from my experience, but I, I do have a hunch that many um, would say the same. Absolutely. Great. Well, that wraps things up for this week. Thanks again to Minoka, the yin to my yang, for taking the time to have this conversation with me and to you for listening. Again, if you want to share your thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Email info at kindrednc dot church with the subject line good enough for now know that we're all blessed with the grace of god who celebrates our frail and fumbling humanity and finds perfection even in our failure we'll talk soon